So here we are at the Place Vendôme in the first arrondissement. It's just around the corner from the Louvre and it is really gorgeous, so big and so beautiful. It, it used to be um, a royal square. It was laid out for Louis XIV and you can definitely get that because if you look up into the balconies you can see his sun symbol all around us and there's plenty we could talk about here I mean obviously there's the huge Vendôme column in the middle with Napoleon sitting up there on top um, and it's changing fortunes are an episode in itself I mean the people that have lived here notably obviously at the Ritz Hotel you know we've had all the famous all the greats have been here um, is one thing all the films that have been filmed in Place Vendôme there's just so much to say there's even a sort of very curious little artifact here it's the plaque from the texas embassy because texas wanted to be independent i suspect it still does actually and it was recognized here in paris so you can see a little plaque to the texan embassy which is still here but we can't go into it all there's just too much because we are here for chanel so let's get to it Hello and welcome back to Pan Am, a podcast about some of the more unusual or overlooked aspects of Paris, the people who lived here and the events that have taken place. I'm your host, Amber. I'm a longtime Parisian. And in this podcast, I explore Paris and learn about its history, usually through something tangible that we might pass by day to day without even noticing it, like a remnant of a wall that was once a prison and witnessed the bloody September massacres, a curious building that holds a secret or a shop sign that tells a tale. And then I tell you all about it. In today's episode, we're going to be delving into the history of a person and an icon of French fashion, Coco Chanel. It's not an understatement to say that she was a pioneer who revolutionised fashion. Famously, she said, I don't do fashion, I am fashion. She is much quoted and highly quotable and led an extraordinary life and seems absolutely terrifying and by all accounts she was. If you watch an interview with her, even when she was very, very old, she still can make you tremble. Her link to Paris is obvious and the mark she left on Paris and Paris fashion can still be felt today. There's going to be loads of these quotes throughout this story, I think. But she also said simplicity is the keynote of all true elegance. And I still think that's true today. Parisians are often held aloft the world over for being super stylish and chic. But if you come to Paris, you'll see it's a very understated kind of chic. In Paris, you'll often see you can wear your outfit the whole day. You just add a heel or a red lip or a little accessory and you transform a day item into a night item. I think this is best shown in um, this French um, series which is on at the moment called Call My Agent and they sort of have this sort of downstated elegance rather than Emily in Paris which uh, is not really very accurate certainly in the way they dress. But although Chanel definitely can be seen in Paris my question is did Paris leave its mark on Chanel and can we find evidence of it today in a tangible sense? To answer that 
we will need to head to the Place Vendôme, one of the fanciest areas in Paris and site of the Ritz Hotel and the long-term residence of Mademoiselle Chanel. So come with me as we find out how the architecture of this place perhaps helped to create a legend. We are here because of Chanel, because she lived here at the Ritz Hotel, but also because of the architecture of the Place Vendôme and its possible influence on her. So to really understand, I'm afraid we're going to have to take to the skies. So in true Paris fashion, why don't we pop into a hot air balloon for a quick flight over the Place Vendôme? And as we do so, let's look down and notice the shape of it. So from up here, we get a great view and we can clearly see that it is not a simple square. Mansart, the architect, relieved the corners, creating angled facades to give the place an octagonal shape. Does it look familiar yet? Let me give you a clue. What does Marilyn Monroe, Andy Warhol and Brad Pitt all have in common? Well, you've guessed it, Chanel number no. 5, one of Chanel's most enduring legacies, her eponymous perfume. Apparently, a bottle is sold every 30 seconds, and that is over 100 years since its launch. It's still synonymous with luxury and femininity. In 1954, Marilyn Monroe immortalised the perfume when she shared that all she wore to bed was just a few drops of number five. And today, the perfume is still represented by the most beautiful women and men of the time. Of course, the first face of number five was Chanel herself. It all started when Chanel decided to commission a perfume for her best clients. This was a new trend amongst fashion houses, and she was looking for something fresh that smelt clean. She was herself very fastidious, and while she was working as a seamstress, she often complained of the dirty, unwashed smell of her customers. Now, traditionally, fragrances worn by women were either simple, floral and respectable, or musky and saucy. Perfumes by men for women. Chanel wanted, in her own words, a perfume like nothing else, a woman's perfume with the scent of a woman. But she also wanted something that was fresh and clean-smelling. Now, she worked with Russian perfumer Ernest Beau, and Beau actually means beautiful. And I love it when a name corresponds with a profession. You can actually find all sorts of lists of names of people who really suit their jobs on the internet. So you have things like Amy Freeze, the weather presenter, or the neurologist, Dr. Brain. And it sort of goes full circle from when names are given to you, which matched your actual profession. So that's why we have names like, you know, Mr. Butcher, Baker, Smith, etc. But I digress. Now, Beau, like Chanel, was up for a challenge uh, and creating something new. And he used, for the first time, a synthetic component called aldehydes to create his perfume. And this didn't put off Chanel. She was always ready to innovate. And the result was exactly what they'd hoped for, a fragrance that was completely different. You see, this man-made element had a complex scent, which, while not found in nature, is pleasant and recognisable. And it's often described as smelling of laundry that's been dried outside, which is, of course, exactly what Chanel was looking for, this clean smell. 
However, for such a strongly branded fragrance, number five is a scent that can smell really different from one person to another. And this is because of the complex blend of scents and these aldehydes, and it can react in surprising ways. One person might find that the florals, which include rose, ylang-ylang, jasmine, lily of the valley and iris, really come out and they feel this sort of fresh, clean laundry smell. Another person might find that the base notes, which include sandalwood, vanilla, amber and patchouli, too musky and imposing. And so it's a perfume that you really need to try before you buy. I smelt it many years ago and I couldn't really see what the fuss was about, but I think I'm going to give it another go and see if it's changed. Chanel said, a woman who does not wear perfume has no future, so I need to get on it. Now, it took Beau several months to perfect this new fragrance, but eventually he came up with 10 samples and presented them to Chanel. They were numbered 1 to 5 and 20 to 24. Where did 6 to 19 go, one wonders. Now, she picked number 5, or so the story goes, and that's where we get the name Chanel number 5. Now, did she really pick number 5 because she liked it best, or was it because number 5 was an important number to her? Or did she pick another number and just tell us that she picked number five? We will never know. But it is certainly true that the number five was meaningful for her. She said, and I quote, I present my dress collection on the 5th of May, the fifth month of the year. And so we will let this simple number five keep the name it has already. It will bring good luck. And it certainly brought her success and fame. When she launched her perfume on the 5th of May 1921, she instinctively understood the need for clever marketing and she started off with a scarcity campaign. She infused the shop's dressing room with the scent and she gave bottles only to a select few of her high society friends and her most loyal customers. The success of Chanel No. 5 was immediate. One of her friends exclaimed it was like winning the lottery ticket. That was if you were given a bottle. Everyone who was anyone wanted it, but by only allowing a select few to get their hands on it, it became the must-have of the season. By the time she was ready to sell it, it flew off the shelves. But it wasn't just the scent and her clever marketing that created a sensation. The bottle itself, whose shape would go on to inspire Andy Warhol, who chose it for one of the subjects in one of his classic nine silk screen works of art, was new and original. Its name, number five, was so simple, and fittingly, the bottle itself was too. Clean, restrained, almost masculine, unlike the elaborate bottles usually used for women's perfume. But where did the inspiration come from? Some say it was similar in style to her lover, Boy Capone's cologne bottles. Others claim that the bottle's design was inspired by a whiskey bottle, while some say that the inspiration was drawn from glass pharmaceutical vials. The original design did alter slightly. It used to have rounded corners when she sold it only in her boutiques to her select clients. However, in 1924, this design proved too delicate to ship, so the bottle was modified with squared-off corners, creating a lovely octagonal-shaped bottle and stopper, which, if scaled up, could fit neatly into the Place Vendôme. Was she inspired by the shape of the Place Vendôme as she looked out of her window from her luxurious suite at the Ritz, without even realising it? Did this beautiful 17th century architecture inspire the world's leading fashion icon to create the world's most original and possibly most successful perfume? 
I think it's surely possible, even though there's no mention in the many, many books about her life of her ever taking a balloon flight over Paris to fully appreciate the layout of the Place Vendôme. But the congruence of the bottle to the Place is undeniable. So when you walk through the Place Vendôme, it's as if you're diving into a huge bottle of Chanel No. 5. But the story of Chanel and Number no. 5 doesn't end there, and sadly, it doesn't always smell very sweet. Chanel got a lot right with her business, but she did make mistakes, or at least she had regrets. Although she created the perfume, the brand, and lent her name to it, she didn't really handle the business, and in fact she handed over 90% of her business, of Chanel No. 5, to her partners, the Wartheimer brothers, and she kept only 10% of the stock. Later... When World War II broke out, Chanel tried to use the war to her advantage by gaining back control of her company. By the mid-1940s, worldwide sales of Chanel No. 5 amounted to millions, and Coco was unhappy that the original deal she had struck meant she could only get 10% of the sales. She didn't need the money, she had plenty, but nonetheless, she wanted what she felt was her fair share of the business. And I think we can understand that. It was, after all, her name, her reputation that helped boost those sales. But although business is business and people that get ahead can be cutthroat, the methods she used to try and get back control were ugly, to say the least. World War II brought with it the Nazi seizure of all Jewish-owned property and businesses, and Chanel was keen to take advantage of this awful law. She attempted to oust the Jewish Wartheimers and use her position as an Aryan to petition German officers to legalise her right to sole ownership. The Wartheimers had wisely fled to America, but before they left, they'd cleverly transferred ownership to a non-Jewish friend, and there was nothing Chanel could do. She was, by all accounts, furious. After World War II, Number 5 would once again play an important role in Chanel's life. She placed a sign in the window of her Rue Cambone boutique announcing that free bottles of Number 5 were to be given to American soldiers, who in turn queued round the block to bring home some chic to their sweethearts waiting for them. The soldiers were delighted, but was this a generous act? or a skilful move to save her skin once her wartime collaboration was revealed. Even though she was arrested following the war, her head was not shaved and she was not paraded through the streets and humiliated, as so many collaborators were. Was it the GIs that kept her safe? Possibly. It certainly helped have them on side. And finally, what of her chic suite at the Ritz Hotel, where according to the Ritz website, you too can stay for a mere 18,000 euros per night. Sorry, excuse me, from a mere 18,000 euros per night. That suite was her home for many years and gave her that gorgeous view of the Place Vendôme that possibly inspired the iconic shape of her iconic perfume. But when the Ritz was recently renovated, they made a troubling discovery in her rooms. Find out what they found, whether number five saved her, and more in the next episode where we will discuss the life of Coco Chanel. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, then tell a friend or leave a review. It really, really makes my day. Or you could consider becoming a patron. You can head over to my patron site. I'll leave links in the show notes. And there you get extra bonus episodes and just the warm feeling that you are supporting the show and keeping it coming. 
just want to say thank you to two amazing patrons who've just joined up. So Steve, thank you so much, and Michael. And of course, a huge thank you to Christopher, whose energy and time and mixing and music make the episodes so fantastic. Thank you so much. Head over to Instagram and all the usual places if you want to send me a message, and I'll put up photos on the website as usual. That's panampodcast.com. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>